Hi, Calling family. This is Pastor Michael, and welcome to our church podcast. I'm so grateful for you tuning in today, and I believe today's message is going to strengthen your faith in Jesus. Well, I am Pastor Ronnie. Some of you know me um, from our previous location, and some of you are new to this location. So welcome, welcome home to the calling. Uh, I am a, I'm married to the amazing ponytailed wonder at the back who's gonna tell me that I need to lift my mic or drop my mic or stop waving my hands. So, <laughs> Pastor Martin, yeah, now he's waving his hands in the back. We are working on 29 years. He is my covering. He is my blessing. He is my soulmate. And I could not imagine trying to do life without him. Thank you, precious one. Now, by way of introduction, God has not only blessed me with an amazing husband, but he has blessed me with some amazing people male and female, in my life that keep me encouraged, keep me strengthened, keep me sharpened. But I want to talk to you today about a particular group that he has given me. Um, when COVID hit in 2020, um, the Calling Church had an amazing group of women that were meeting for Bible study. And obviously, they closed down the world, so they kind of closed our Bible study down. And we went online for a little bit, and then cell groups were closed because we were trying to determine how best to serve the body. Well, these ladies said, uh, we don't want to stop meeting. So when they said that, I asked the Lord, I went in prayer, and he gave us a Thursday night Odd night, most churches meet on Wednesdays or Fridays or Mondays, but he gave us a Thursday night Bible study. And from February of 2020 through this past Thursday, this group has only not met twice. It's had a different complexity to it. Ladies come in and ladies go out. Sorry, guys, it's an all-ladies thing. Um, but they're amazing. They are in love with the Lord. They are hungry. And together, we dig into the word of God, and we have an amazing time at it. Um, some of my ladies are here today, and for those of you who are here, thank you. You have no idea how much you bless me, how much you make me dig, how you're questions inspire me to continue to go deeper into the Lord. So I am grateful to you and I am thankful. Some of them are online. And by the way, to the chat crew, you guys held me up last Sunday. <laughs> so thank you to my Taylor and my Lee. I love you passionately. Continue to inspire those who can't get into the building with us. But this group, um, started a study back in the end of July, August, uh, the book of Luke. Now, for those of you who don't know, Luke 
is the author of the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And he is a doctor. So he's sort of like, um, I'm going to date myself now, Dragnet, just the facts, folks, just the facts. Now, Matthew is a little flowery and powerful. John is just flowing like poetry. Luke is like, just give me the information because I got to give it to somebody else. So his book is very informative. It gives you what you need to know, and he doesn't put flowers on it. But the next book that Dr. Luke wrote was called The Book of Acts. And before we started to go into the book of Acts, this amazing group of women said, um, can we study the Holy Spirit? I went, okay, yeah, yeah, we can do that. And it became this amazing, amazing journey for me. Hopefully for them, but definitely for me. They have pulled things out of me. They have caused me to go deeper into the Lord. I have watched them grow. I have watched the Holy Spirit put his hand on them, guide them, lead them, change them. And it has been an amazing journey. And I have been honored to be part of that journey with them. But now, when Pastor Michael asked if I would speak today, the Holy Spirit gave me the ability to do that. And it wasn't a question about what I should speak about, because sometimes it is. He wanted me to talk about him. And when I say he wanted me to talk about him, all those pronouns, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. He wants you to know he's alive and well. We all know or have heard the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's not a tagline. He's, he's not something that was put there to just fill it on. He's not, he's not Slimer, for those of you who know Ghostbusters. Um, he is a part of the Godhead. And I'm not going to really get into that tonight because I really want to get you to understand who he is. Now, there's a lot of religious principles. There's a lot of biblical teachings. There's a lot of man stuff that talks about the Holy Spirit. But what he has given me to talk about is about him that he is alive, well, and loving you. Now, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may have heard it referred to, heard the group referred to, it sounds like the Beatles. Oh, I just dated myself, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are referred to as the Trinity. All three are present at creation. For those of you taking notes, that's Genesis 1, 1 through 3. 
And, and I love to watch people dig to figure out where Jesus was in that, but he's there. All three are present at the burning bush, and that's Exodus 3, 1 through 6. And all three are present at the baptism of Jesus. He's not a tagline. He, he wasn't something to round out to the group. He is a person with a mind, a will, and emotion, and he is also part of the Trinity. Note, you are not going to find Trinity in the Bible. It's not there. But you will find far more instances than I had time to put here tonight of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit appearing together. But here's my question. Where are they now? Think about that for a moment. Where are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit now? In heaven? Well, two of them are. On earth, one of them is. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is here with us. There are over 100 verses in the Bible about Jesus at the right hand of the Father. But my favorite verse is at Acts 7, 55 and 56. And if you give me a moment, I will read that one to you. But Stephen, now, Stephen had just given the Sanhedrin a lecture on the Bible, the Bible as we know it. And when he got to the part about who Jesus was, they got a little angry. And they were stoning him when he makes this statement. But Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked toward heaven where he saw our glorious God, the Father, and Jesus, standing at the right side, at his right side, then Stephen said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right side of God. The Holy Spirit was present in Stephen. And he was seeing into heaven, seeing the Father and the Son. Now, I wish I could stand up here and tell you that I was so wise, I could explain the Trinity to you, but I ain't that good. I'm working on it, but I ain't there yet. <laughs> because that is a mystery of three in one, but they don't disagree with each other. The Father has given you the Son. The Son has given you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit points you back towards the gift of the Son, and the Son points you back towards the Father. That is a Rubik's Cube that I don't even want to begin to try and untwist. But it is a blessed thing, and it is a gift to us. The Holy Spirit... Um, that was in Stephen. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, he's in you. He was promised to us 
before the crucifixion. At John 14, 16, Jesus tells his disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, helper to move you forward, to be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth. The people of the world cannot accept him because they don't see him or know him, but you know him. He lives with you, and he will be with you. His presence, now note, he was promised, and his presence was given after the resurrection. That, that first speech that Jesus gave to his disciples was when he was training them up in, men, in ministry. But after he was crucified, died, was buried, and on the third day he rose again, he appeared to his disciples and he began to spend 40 days with them explaining to them what was coming. Explaining to them that even though he had to leave them, he wasn't leaving them alone. He was leaving them a helper. He was leaving them someone who would guide them, guard them, move them in things that would draw them closer to him and closer to the Father. A reunification, if you will. And I'm going to give you two of those. The first one, again, Jesus said, please, peace be with you. Now, this is when Jesus did that thing that causes us to confuse the Holy Spirit with Casper. He just materialized in a room. This, at this time, they were all hiding because he had been crucified and they did not yet know about his resurrection. They were confused. Nobody had seen him. The grave was empty, but nobody knew where he was. So in their mindset, it could have been somebody stole the body, somebody uh, hit him. They didn't know. So they were afraid, and I'm saying it that way because a lot of times we get afraid, and I'm using the words afraid and not fearful, because God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. But you are human. You can get scared. You can get scared, but here's the thing. <laughs> you can do it scared. You cannot do it in fear. In fear, you become a deer in the headlights, and you can't move. But in scared, you can do it. They were scared, and they were locked together in the upper room when the Lord appears to them. And this is what he says. First thing he says to them is, peace be with you. He talks to them, and then he tells them, Again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. That's the first one. He spends 40 days with them. And just to remind them before he left... It, the word tells us that on one occasion, 
while eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm not speaking right now because I want you to think about that. That is a promise to everyone who accepts Christ as their Savior. That is the promise that if you accept Christ, he's not going to leave you alone down here to figure it out. He just doesn't work that way. Because he knows how smart we aren't. <laughs> and we would not figure it out without the Holy Spirit. His power was poured out after the ascension of Christ. After Christ ascended into heaven, he told them, go back to Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, two angels showed up and asked him why were they standing there staring at the sky? <laughs> that he was gone, but he'd be back. And that's a promise to us. He will be back. But he told them, go on back to Jerusalem and wait. And they did. They went back and they went into the upper room and there was about 120 of them up there. So I'm thinking this had to be a real big house because 120 people in a small room is tight. <laughs> but they spent 10 days there. How long do you wait on the Holy Spirit? How long do you wait before you decide, oh, well, he didn't hear that prayer, so I'm just going to go on and do it myself? Who's missing in your action? After this happened, they waited, they prayed, they discussed the things they'd seen. Now, footnote, I'm going to go back for just a second. The 40 days that Jesus spent here, he spent showing them and teaching them, continuing to teach them continuing to do miracles in front of them. And do you know he promised that we would do greater things than he had done? But you can't do that in your flesh. You can't do that on your own. You need that promised helper. So after he ascended, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, Suddenly, the sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That word right there, tongues, trips up a whole lot of people. <laughs> it's other languages. There's a difference between the gift of tongues, which is a prayer language, and the gift of tongues, which is 
me speaking in Mandarin Chinese. And I say that because I'm still working on English. <laughs> Peter tells us what was happening. He tells us that this was not just a matter of a fluke. This was also part of the promise. This was part of the promise that was spoken of in the Old Testament. That in the last days, God says, and he put it just that way, in the last days, God says, not Joel says, not uh, Luke says, but God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even my servants, both men and women. And that's really important because at this time, ladies, we didn't count for much. But your father, your heavenly father, was reminding them that to him, you matter greatly. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, for those of you who are taking notes, that's at Acts 2, 17 and 18 and Joel 2, 28 through 32. But with this and all of this information about the Holy Spirit, about the promise, we still treat him like he's an afterthought. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We know Father. We can recognize Father. We can associate with Father because we've had one, we are one, or we're going to be one. We, we know what a Father is like. We can identify with the Son because we've got one, we know one, we're married to one, we've there's something, but when we start to talk about the Holy Spirit, it goes into the Casper group, as in Casper the Friendly Ghost, uh, Slimer, you know, gets all over you. It becomes spooky, so we don't quite know what to do with him. A lot of believers who love the Lord with their whole heart, so this is not a condemnation. This is just a edification. This is something I want you to take personally and think about. A lot of believers are scared of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know we're all sitting there going, oh, no, not me. Oh, yeah, some of y'all. I actually attended a confirmation service for my nephew because I am his, his uh, godmother. <laughs> and the blessings was happening and the Holy Spirit, the, the, the holy water was being sprayed and people were ducking. <laughs> they were trying to get away from it. You guys... And I know you do because I believe what my pastors say. And I've heard both my pastors, Pastor Michael and Pastor Kareem, mention horror movies in the last two, three weeks. 
So I know some of you guys know who Pinhead is. You know Chucky. You know uh, Jason. You've seen The Exorcist. And y'all weren't scared. <laughs> some of it you laughed at. It did make you jump every now and then. But you, you weren't scared. You're not scared of something that is actually designed to heighten all your senses. But the Holy Spirit scares you. The Holy Spirit makes you a little nervous because you don't have a category to put him in. Let me demystify that a little bit. The Holy Spirit is a person. God is a person. You don't have a problem with that. You can think of God the Father. You don't have a problem with a person. Jesus is a person. You don't have a problem with that. The Holy Spirit is a person. Eh. He is. He has a mind, will, and emotion. Just like you. He has thoughts. He has feelings. He is described by the results that you see. I'm sure some of you are familiar with the term fruit of the spirit. For those of you who are not, you're about to learn. The fruit of the spirit is actually the personhood of the Holy Spirit being manifested. He is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, gentleness, generosity, gen faithfulness, modesty, self-control, chastity. These are his attributes. And the closer you get to him, the more they show up in you. He dwells within you when you receive Christ as your Savior. He comes to live within you. But he does not come in power. Now I'm going to give you a little bitty lesson. At Genesis, the Holy Spirit is called the Ruach. And for those of you who actually do speak Hebrew, I'm sorry. <laughs> but that means the power, the force, the will, the movement of God. He is God himself and he is powerful. And then in Genesis 2, we find him walking in the garden with Adam and Eve and that's his presence. And his presence is gentle, and his presence is sweet, and his presence is edifying. Presence and power. When you get baptized, when you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. You receive the presence of God into your very being. 
But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you receive him in power. The Holy Spirit, as I said, is, is mind, will, and emotion. He has the ability to think separately from God, but never away from him. Now, that's a mystery of faith, and if I would be here till I had more gray hairs than I've got now trying to explain that one. <laughs> but I hope that by the time I get to the end of this, what I have done is inspired you to dig inspired you to hunt after the Holy Spirit. Find out what this is that's living within you, who this is that's living within you. Because I just made a faux pas that I get on people's case about all the time. He's not an it or a what. He's a he. He's a him. In Proverbs, he's a she because he's wisdom. But the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you a couple examples of his personhood. He can be grieved. He can be vexed. And now for those of you who don't do King James, that means he can be angered. He can be resisted, meaning you can refuse to receive him. He won't force you. He can be lied to. He can be tested. He can be blasphemed. He can be quenched. Quenched, another one of those King James words, meaning you can say no and he won't force you. Now you can find where you grieve him for those note takers at Ephesians 4.30. Where he's vexed is at Psalm 78.41. Where he's resisted is in Acts 7.51. Where he's lied to is in Acts 5.3. Where he is tested is in Acts 5, 9. Where he is blasphemed is in Luke 12, 10. And where he is quenched is 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. He has an intellect, a mind, capable of independent thought. You can find that at 1 Corinthians 2, 16. He has name. We know him as the Holy Spirit. And I've just recently finished reading a book um, on the God. I, it's called The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. Not a commercial, but a very good book. Um, and he said he had this brilliant idea that he took to God. And he said, you know, I don't think people really get the Holy Spirit because his name is not there. You know, we got the Father and we got Son, but Holy Spirit, what do I do with that? How about we call him Bill? <laughs> he, th I th he says he thought it was brilliant. He says those churches that are a little more formal can call him William. <laughs> See, that's why God laughs when we run to him with our ideas. <clears throat> But he is referred to in both the Old and the New Testament. He's the spirit of God. He's the spirit of grace. He's the spirit of knowledge. He's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of understanding. He's the spirit of wisdom. He's the spirit of life. He's the spirit of prophecy. He is the spirit of revelation. He is the spirit of the Father. He is the spirit of the Lord. He is 
the spirit of the Son. He is the breath of the Almighty. He is the helper. He is the counsel. He is the eternal spirit. He is the gracious spirit. He is God. He is the good spirit. He is the Lord. He is the highest he is the spirit of might, the spirit of adoption, which brings us in. He is the spirit of burning. He is the spirit of judgment. He is the spirit of justice. He is the spirit of Christ. He is the spirit of glory, and he is your helper. He is the gift. Now, if you've been around church for any period of time, you have heard people talk about gifts. And the first thing they say is, what's your gift? Let me clarify something for you right now. We all have exactly the same gift. The Holy Spirit himself is the gift. He's the gift. That is the gift you have. So the next time somebody asks you, I have the Holy Spirit. How he manifests, that's something totally different. I'm going to describe it to you this way. And, and to my ladies who are here on Thursday night, you've heard this before. So just don't spoil the surprise. <laughs> it's not really a surprise. I just don't want to bore them. Um, I want you to think for a moment of Christmas morning since we were heading into the Christmas season. And you come downstairs, and at the foot of the stairs, you begin to encounter presents, and they are beautifully wrapped presents, and they fill the whole room. There's so many presents in that room that the only thing you can see is the teeny tiny bit of the top of the star on the Christmas tree, because there's so much. They are packed in, and you run over, and you open the gifts, open the one, and that's a gift of salvation, and you enjoy that salvation, and you don't open any of the other gifts, but you notice that the tags on the gift all have your name. Every gift in that room is yours, but you don't open it. You only open the one that says salvation. Is the, the interesting thing is that when you get to heaven, all those gifts you didn't open, they still yours. Everything you don't open up and use is still yours. If you open the gifts that the gift has given you, you might find healing, teaching, wisdom, knowledge, laying on of hands, miracles happening. See, it was not just for the first century church. It was for you. It was for you, it was for you now. Some people will tell you, as a matter of fact, approximately 80% of the church believes that the Holy Spirit stopped moving. Part of that 80% believes he stopped moving when 
the last apostle died. The other part of it, that 80% believed that he stopped moving when the Bible was completed. And the verse that they used to do that starts off by telling you that tongues will cease. See, he doesn't move like that anymore. But they never read to the bottom of the paragraph. It says, when we come face to face. Last time I checked, we weren't there yet. We are living in a time every bit as perilous as the first century church. Every bit as perilous. We think about them being thrown to lions. We think about them being dipped in wax and set on fire. We think about all the things that they went through for the sake of the gospel. But here's my question to you. Have you looked around lately and seen how difficult it is to talk about God with somebody? How many places you're not supposed to talk about God? I uh, work for a school district. I work in technology. When I initially started working for the school district, I was actually at a middle school site. And I decided that I was going to test the waters, so I took my Bible to work. When kids approached me, I prayed. If they asked for it, I didn't proselytize. I waited for them to ask me. I was in the media center and a teacher said, uh, Ronnie must be in here somewhere because there's a Bible and a computer book on the desk. That's who I was. That's who I am. Because, and, and I tell you this, because there were people in that school that needed prayer. There were kids in that school that needed prayer. They didn't need to have the Bible rolled up and shoved down their throat. They just needed somebody to be available to introduce them to God. So where are you and are you available? Everybody is not going to stand up here and talk. Everybody is not going to pull up a soapbox and evangelize in the middle of downtown. But everybody in this room encounters somebody who needs to know who the Lord is. Everybody in this room is going to encounter somebody who needs to understand the gift of the Lord. There are people who will tell you that because we have the Bible and, and Jesus came and we have salvation, that that's pretty much it. That's all you need. But that's not what God thought. At Zechariah, he says, Zechariah 4, 6, by the way, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Try saying that one in front of a crowd. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, Acts 10, you know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 
One more. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and even to the remote parts of the earth. See, Jesus knew he was going to leave us. And by the way, note, he is coming back for us. But he knew we were going to need something more than just our flesh and, and a book. It's a powerful book. Do not get me wrong. You try reading it, it will change your life. First of all, you might think you're reading it. It's actually reading you. It is an amazing book. But the only reason you can understand it is because the Holy Spirit is enlightening you. Having Jesus and the authority that he left us is absolutely amazing. But having authority and no power to do anything about it is not gonna do, it's not gonna edify you or anybody else. Now, to my title. MIA in the military, the definition says of a member of the armed forces not yet traced or confirmed as either alive or dead. Is the Holy Spirit traced in you? Is he confirmed alive in you? Is he moving in power in you? Because if you are trying to do this on your own, let me know how it works out for you because it didn't work so well for me. I could only do so much and then I reached the end of me. But the Holy Spirit in you is endless. Don't fear him. Reverence him, but don't fear him. Invite him into your life to move in power and authority. Having authority is, I want to do this the right way. Having authority is like having a fire hose and no wrench to open up the fire hydrant. You got the hose. You have them in you, but what kind of power is it? And for any of us who've seen a fire or had the fire department come to your school when you were a kid, when they open up that hydrant, that is power and force. It changes stuff. What in your life needs to be changed? What are you trying to change yourself in your own strength? So let me help you a little bit. You don't have enough strength to do it. Because if you did, you'd have done it already. What is missing? Who is missing? His, his, if the power is missing, then the who is missing. And the who is the Holy Spirit in power. But he is a gentleman. He is not going to force you. 
to move that way. He won't. Remember, I read you the verse. He can be resisted. You can say no. But if you want him, if you want to walk with him, if you want to know him better, just ask. You know, it's real hard to believe that one of the shortest verses in the Bible is actually one of the most powerful. You have not because you ask not. If you're feeling the tug at your heart right now, that's the Holy Spirit. And just so you know, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I ain't saved, so I don't know what this is I'm hearing. The Lord spends a whole lot of time talking to people who aren't saved. Because you cannot come to Jesus unless you are called by the Father. So you hear him whether or not you have received him because that's up to you. Remember the room full of gifts. You don't have to open any of them. It's still yours and it's still available to you. At Hebrews 9, it's 9.14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serving a living God. Serving a living God requires, requires more power than you have in the natural. Serving a living God requires a living spirit, the Holy Spirit. It requires the Holy Spirit to even love other people unconditionally. Because if you try to love them in your own strength, you will run out of you real quick. But he gives you the ability to continue to love them. And I'm gonna leave you with this. If you allow the Holy Spirit into your life in fullness, in power, and in strength, you will be able to say like Paul, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If you are willing to allow him to touch you, all you have to do is ask. If you are willing to move in the power, all you have to do is ask. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Our mission as a church is choosing Jesus, chasing freedom, discovering our gifts, and serving Jesus. I have a question for you. What is your next step with Christ? Take your next step today by visiting thecallingla.com. If today's message touched you, we love to partner with you in sharing the hope and the message of Christ. So visit thecallingla.com slash give.